0: This episode of Burgundy Radio is brought to you by a double shot of Johnson & Johnson, the perfect booster for your back end. Side effects may include dizzying backhand goals, allergic reaction to depth roster moves, and disciplinary overreaction to boarding penalties. If side effects last longer than two games, please consult a team physician. finds an open Jack Johnson, he's in.
1: and after 22 years
0: greetings one and all near and far reaching your ears wherever you are welcome to burgundy radio i am Vlad, your host of burgundy radio joining me for this latest installment is earl 06 how's it going earl it's going great and also joining us is Tiger Vixen. Hey, Jackie, how's it going?
2: Pretty good. Hello, everyone.
0: So the regular season has kicked off, and this past Wednesday, the Avalanche got it all started at Ball Arena, hosting the Chicago Blackhawks and earning their first regular season win by a score of 4-2. Jack Johnson, fresh off his brand-new contract, opened the scoring with, quite honestly, a great backhander up high past Mark andre Fleury. Gabe Landeskog would make his new Though, albeit, more expensive contract looked pretty good off a tip in front. Bo Byron would score his first career NHL goal. And all of this happened in the first period, mind you. In the second, Nazem Kadri would get a goal to shore up the scoring. The Blackhawks would add a couple, but nobody cares about them. And, you know, this game never really seemed out of the abs control. What do you guys think?
1: It sure didn't. Um... This was basically 10 minutes of the abs blowing the Hawks out of the water and then 50 minutes of coasting. Um,
2: oh, it's, it's always dangerous when you get a lead so early like that, because there's just so much time left.
1: And who knows what that. the rest are going to try to do to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I felt like they handled it okay. Like, it, it wasn't one of those where it's just like, oh, Jesus, it's, it's just way too much time, but the next when it was 3 to 1 it it was definitely like the next goal was going to be huge 4 to 1 you knew that was it that was the dagger they were they're going to be good to go if the hawks made it 3 to 2 then it becomes a little bit different of a game but it did feel like definitely that the avs were the better team so it would have taken probably a pretty good comedy of errors to to lose that game so i felt fairly confident throughout most of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the tough part is when you do take your foot off the gas a little bit is if you need to put it back on it, it's, it's kind of tough. And that, that's always kind of what you worry about. They don't really turtle anymore, but um, sort of the way they, the way they sort of suppress by possession and, and maybe be a little bit more deliberate with things like zone entries and passing the puck and the offensive zone it it, i don't know it's just you don't have the urgency um and we
2: well yeah they start dumping it in more right
1: and then you just sort of see like in the third period if they needed to to get it going again they maybe just weren't on at the right energy level so i mean it's it's nice that they didn't need that um and also the
2: and the second period was so much special teams, right. like it, it was just back to back. What was it like eight minutes and it was continuous.
1: Yeah, that that was where I, was, I think the refs ca- kind of managed the game into unwatched unwatchability for a little while.
2: Um, so it was nice when they finally got through that. Then that's when Cadre scored, and yeah, it was like, all right, that's what we needed. We need to get we needed to get back to five on five. We got the goal. All right, we're good
3: now. Yeah. Um
1: and that <clears throat> I I thought the Hawks they played their role pretty well after that. I I thought that after being blown out of the water, um they kind of got their feet underneath them and and they they played decently. I mean, it wasn't just they were you know, laying over and letting the Avs coast. Um you know they've they've got some lineup deficiencies. They're not the Stanley Cup contenders they once were, but you know like the the cane to brinket Kubalik line that's you know that that can always be dangerous. Um, I thought Tave's line actually did a decent job of shutting down uh, the Avs' top line after all that happened um you know, went, and went, then it
2: was Doc that got some chances, yeah. too. And we'll talk about him later.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it's like um, Sam just said, hey, have at it. And he did. But Kemper, yeah, the Kemperer, I, which is, I think that's a good nickname. Um, That is pretty solid, yeah, I will say. I like that. He
2: did pretty good. Yeah, he did pretty good. He's a very calm goalie, which um, I think they, they're going to need. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see how how he really does but so far so good
1: yeah because i i thought the penalty kill was was a little spotty i mean I, I think special teams in general were really weak um the the power play looked awful like you know hey we're in the the jt comfort featured shooter era on on the power play right now and that's
2: <laughs> but it looks so different the funny thing about it is it looked so different it wasn't just them running the regular power play and then without McKinnon, it was like they just said, hey, let's just run a completely different power play, yeah, have- which I don't necessarily disagree with because I do think they need some new thinking on it. But it obviously wasn't working, but it was like, these guys are skating, they're moving, they're not. It, it just looked like somebody else's power play it was kind of bizarre, but in a good way, bizarre.
0: Is that more because McKinnon wasn't in the lineup and therefore not an option on the power play or is it because Jared Bednar wasn't behind the bench and it was a tandem effort with Ray Bennett and Nolan Pratt?
2: I guess that's a fair question. You would just think they've run this power play for what, three years. It, the players don't, don't need Bednar around to, to tell them how to run it. Like it should, they should be able to do it in their sleep. So I don't know. I don't know what got into them. Or Maybe the players just took a little bit more liberties because they knew it was so different and they weren't going to be trying to execute the same plays. Because that's what they're really doing on their regular power plays. They basically have three or four play, set plays and they're trying to execute them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looked like that they're going with Miko being the, the primary puck handler along with Makar. And they're, you know, those guys are just probing for weaknesses, and and you know maybe trying to get the D to open up a little bit where then they can pass it to Comfer so he can miss repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Comfer had like two grade A's and maybe like a grade B plus, and just flailed on all three of them. Um, and I get where where Bednar's coming from, like you know having that right-handed guy in the bumper spot. You know, if if you can get him the puck, that's, that's a good place to shoot from. And, and you know, when it was Donnie, it was, it was definitely a lot more dangerous and, but I just, I don't.
2: I, I mean, we'll see. There, there's going to be plenty of time for us to flog the penalty or the power play. And yeah, all year, and, <laughs> I guess we'll see it. It's effective. To, <laughs> it's effective to a point and we'll see. And, and I agree with the point that it's early season. You didn't have McKinnon. There's just nothing to really analyze there. Yeah. For now.
0: It's something fun to chew on because it's so different from what we're used to. We're used to seeing, you know, M- McKinnon and, the, you know, all the top guns there for, you know, a, a minute and a half plus doing their usual shtick. So since we didn't see that, it was kind of like, wow, what's this new flavor of water we're drinking here? <laughs>
2: I, I really we get some hope more to of that? pick up some new ideas, but yeah, we'll see. The penalty kill was definitely a, more of a concern, which the it, it being early season and, and some new guys on the unit is also a fair point, but it just looked very much like it looked in the preseason as well. So I, to me, it, it's more than a one-game sample. I don't think some of the things that we're going to talk about, I don't see things as a one game sample, I, I see it as a trend. So the
1: um, well, one thing the Blackhawks do have is a good power play. So I mean that was a test. I mean that this wasn't an easy night in that respect. You know, it's like I, I think that's and, the one time when the Hawks were really, you know, playing to win is when they're on the power play and obviously they, they did get a goal. Um
2: and one out of three isn't terrible. I mean it's
1: Well, it kind of is. You
2: wish it was better than that. (laughs) Well,
1: But yeah, no, I know. Like 33% is bad, but yeah, you're right. It's like they gave up one goal and, you know, that's kind of, you know. And they killed two others. Right. You don't want to give up a goal every night, but, you know.
2: I just think some of the, like Murray and Jack Johnson are much weaker clearers than Graves was, and they're going to have to kind of, Reconcile that, and we'll see Helm. I know the speed is going to be good, and I think he got a couple decent clears. Um,
1: and that's one thing I did Carter. notice is that they they were skating a lot more, and and maybe that's something that is different enough that it's going to take sort of everybody a little time to adjust getting out of like the very static triangle plus one and sort of moving to some guys that can skate and, and putting a little more pressure and it's just, it's going to take a while to figure out the right way to pressure, the right guys to pressure the right gap and everything like that.
2: I wish it was more dangerous because you just see it more and more now in the league that the other team is going to have good players on their penalty kill. Like the Hawks had to brink out on their penalty kill. So when he gets the puck on a penalty kill, then then it is like a legitimate, you know, scoring chance going the other way. And I feel like that's... The abs leave a lot on the the team. What did they have? Just like one shorthanded goal last year or two? Something like that. It just... They're not a threat in... Yeah, O'Connor's fast and he's going to get breakaways and it's going to take, what, 10 games into the season before all the other teams realize he's not going to score on those breakaways. Helm isn't either. So... Um, I mean, it's nice having the puck going the other direction from your net, and and it kills time, but I think they are leaving a a lot more opportunity on the table doing it that way.
1: And that's, uh, you know, do you think it's a thing where, like, if if Helm and Chushkin if he ever plays again, and (laughs) Logan O'Connor get enough breakaways that, you know, by sheer volume, they... They might become some of what of a threat, you know, that maybe they'll get, you know, like three or four goals this year.
2: Well, I think you need more than that. Like, that's almost like the odds of the puck bouncing off the glass into the goal or off somebody's ass. Like, it'll happen, but, you know, I don't really think it's a threat that the other team needs to worry about.
1: I mean, I think any time when you're giving up a breakaway against on the power play, regardless of the guy
2: Oh sure, you don't love it. <laughs> but you, I mean you negative. consider it a
1: threat. It's just it's it's time taken up. It's something you have to deal with. You know, it's time without possession. <laughs> um you know, and, and, and it just seems like the the abs are fine with that mentality, like, you know, like scoring goals is awesome and all that, but you know, we just kind of want to neutralize the threat more than be a threat of our own. And I agree. That's not a a great way to, to go about it, but.
2: Well, the primary concern is just having enough puck skill and speed to clear the puck, first of all. So we'll see if they even have that.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, this last year, the abs did only have one shorthanded goal. Um, the entire season. Do
1: you that know who a, it was?
2: I almost feel like it was Nuke.
1: It was. It sure was. <laughs> it was a big one too if I remember and I can't remember the exact game but um
2: it's the one in the mil- one in a million. Right. But um but we'll see how it evolves. Like it is one game, I get that and and new units take time, but um it it kind of looked like how it's been looking, so something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, I mean that's you know that that's something that they really it it seemed like they thought they had the PK dialed going into the playoffs and you know maybe it wasn't.
2: It was okay because Vegas was terrible on their power right. play, so it was a, nice at least to to lose and not blame it on special teams for once.
0: Yeah, plenty of blame to go around. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> plenty of other things to blame. <laughs> it was
0: a
1: long list.
2: Well, in talking about this game, I think we need to have a minute to talk about Byram and, and the game he had because I think finally he showed like this is the kind of player he is. And those of us who watched him, like Canada Junior and, and at the rookie stuff, were a lot more familiar with that's the Byram game. But I think maybe a lot of other people were like, oh, yeah, he, he is pretty talented and it. In, in the offensive zone, too.
1: That goal was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just, wow. <laughs> I mean, it was cross-body, too. I mean, it was, you know, left-hand to upper-right corner. I mean, oh. <clears throat> um, you know, and, it, it, and then he was... Quick shot, too. I mean, he- Fleury is pretty fast, still. And he was, I mean, that's yeah, he, he he didn't have chance to do anything on that.
2: And then you know, just the rest of the, uh, his game too, with the assist on the Cadre goal, and and overall played well. And it was awesome that he got to be the first star and everything. And
1: he was very elusive was just, in the was, defensive zone. Like uh, he wasn't total like Tornade, but um, you know, he was. Ch-
2: he does that quick cut, right? Back. He like he likes to almost bait a guy and then cut back the other guy, right. It's
1: like a shoulder fake for a running back. Um
2: yeah, but he was,
1: you know, he he was very elusive. He was very good at breaking the puck out by himself. Um, you know, there there just wasn't much to criticize with his game at all. I mean, he just had a really good game. and it it, it it's just something that He really wanted repeatable. to yeah, you wanted to see that from Bo just because, You know, I know there are people that question him. And you're just like, nah. (laughs) It's like he really
2: is that good. Like, like he could consistently play at that level and he probably won't. Like there, I'm sure there'll be a few ups and downs, but like him playing like that again is also not unachievable and to do that pretty often. And, you know, the other funny thing is people talk about how much time EJ missed and how amazing it was to see him back out there and, and all that. It's almost like people forgot how much time that he missed and just how emotional it must have been for him to finally play another NHL game. Yeah. After he waited so long, he never he didn't get the goal last year and everything like just must have been such a huge moment for him. Yeah, and after personally.
1: that amazing preseason game where he scored twice and you know, he scored in this one of and um you know, that's, that's good to see. Just, I I know a lot of people were like, oh, you know, we can play him 10 minutes a night on the third pair. It's great. But it's, you know, if you can get that kind of play out of Eric Johnson, you know, for, for a decent amount of time, that, that really, really makes the abs defense dangerous.
2: Well, I think he also, Byram also needed to solidify his spot. Like, like he'd been good enough that I wasn't worried that they're going to like cut him or whatever. But if Taze does come back and some someone else doesn't go down knock on wood, you know, there are decisions. And um, you know, for Byron to say, hey, i can I can do all these things for you then then he's not going to be the guy that gets taken out of the lineup,
4: yeah.
1: I think, for his confidence, um, you know, you just you you really wanted to see a a start like that. You know, and he he sort of alluded to how nice it was to get his first goal out of the way, just because it's nice. You know, it's nice to to have that behind you. It's nice to say you have your goal. You know, now the floodgates can open, or it you makes- don't have to worry about it, or or whatever the reasons. But it just it's something that that people aren't thinking. Like, geez, when's Barham going to score?
2: Yeah, I think it makes you feel like an NHL player. You're contributing and. You helped the team win and everything. it was big to go up three to nothing there, and you know defenseman it's funny because as a defenseman you sh- you shouldn't ex- be expecting goals like you do from a forward like you know car isn't scoring twenty goals or whatever, so it it is sort of rare, I guess you could say, but people were saying that like when spy remember gonna score and his shot sucks, and like he he's never going to put one in the net. It's just, yeah, to shut all that up, just awesome. <laughs> it's everything I needed. I'm sure everything he needed and he can relax more and just have his place on the team. We don't have to worry about that.
1: And so on. Wanted-
0: and it's, and you know, for, for just a personal accomplishment, you know, it's great to, you know, score the goal that uh, he did. And it was, it was, you know, oozing with skill but to also have that wind up being the eventual game winner it may not be exactly as you know you drop the plan but it would kind of make i i don't know maybe it would make him feel good to say you know what that was pretty cool yeah
2: yeah i don't think his dad ever scored a goal either so
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean I mean, we know that game-winning goals—you know—it's—it's—it can be a specious thing, but I, I think it—it it definitely is something that the the Avs staff and management look at, um, and say, like,
2: it is a real stat. Like, it he'll be on the list of right game-winning goals um, for Avalanche
1: players. Exactly. Um, it's just—it's one of those that you know. Maybe it's not something that you can use to predict anything in the future or anything, but it's it's an accomplishment thing.
2: I guess I should ask this off air, but why not? Since they didn't even televise his first star interview, did he, you know, did he say anything interesting? I'm sure it was all pretty standard, but is there anything you can share about that since none of us even got to see it?
0: Yeah. I didn't realize that TNT didn't uh,
1: they didn't, show nothing. didn't feel the
0: need to broadcast that.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> No, nope. no pregame, no postgame. No more, no less. Yeah. Huh. Well, I uh, actually,
0: uh, he, you know, he gave the usual stock answers about uh, what it was like to be uh, getting the first win in front of the home crowd and, you know, things like that. What you would probably expect anybody that has ever played a game of hockey in their life to say <laughs> about yeah. what it's like, to, you know, be on the home ice in front of their fans. So, uh, pretty pretty stock uh, answers from what I can tell. I mean, he wasn't out there for a whole, a whole lot of time, but uh, yeah, he, he got a warm reception from the crowd. They were uh, uh, really giving him a lot of love, and that was cool to see.
2: Yeah, that that's cool. I would have liked to see, like, his expression during all that, but you know, that's okay, because as fans we're just supposed to care between, like, puck drop and... Final horn and that's
0: it. That, okay, actually, gotten a picture of that at some point uh, during. Yeah, his, uh... I
2: saw that. I mean, that that's all we had. i was glad to even see that picture.
3: <laughs>
2: so,
3: who
0: interviewed him? It was actually uh, Rachel okay. uh, Rich Linsky.
1: Okay, and and we were speculating before the show that that we may find out. I guess as early as tomorrow that that. If she is perhaps the new Lauren, even though her name isn't Lauren,
2: she'll <laughs> so have to get on that,
0: change it.
1: <laughs> Do a crowd, uh, what, a
0: GoFundMe or a crowdsourcing thing or something like that, <laughs> petition. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. I don't know if we want to talk about, we already kind of mentioned the, uh, the, the penalty kill and JT Confer. Do we want to get into the Landis Gog hit on Kirby Doc? I think so. I think that's the other notable
2: uh, aspect of this game.
1: Yeah. It, <clears throat> I, I, I don't think that, I mean, there's very few people that look at it and say, that's, that's a straight up play. That's not a problem. I mean, that, I think hitting anyone that at that distance from the boards is something that, that the NHL and I mean just anyone that's that plays hockey wants to see eliminated from the game. Um, it, it's it's where you're most vulnerable, and and I don't think Doc being on his knees is that much of a factor, other than he couldn't control his motions. Um, it's just you. You don't want to hit people so that they have time to sort of fall into the boards. That's that's sort of where you get the the bad traumatic head injuries. Um, so
2: well, I watched the player safety video and um, you know, it has a good couple slow mo replays and you kind of see what their perspective is. I don't think the hit itself was bad. It was that Landy then put his momentum into shoving Doc, Right. And to me, that's the problem. Like if you hit the guy, he had the, he was on his knee. Yes, but he had the puck. Right. And I think if it was just that, it, I am surprised even after the fact that it was a suspension, I guess I shouldn't be, but, um, but I can see what their point is. Like you, there's a hit and then there's a follow through. And the follow through was, what wasn't necessary. Yeah. and um... An obstructed
0: view uh, from my obstructed view uh, seat, and at the time, you know, th- going through it is, it, I, it just looked like a, a, a hard hit to me, and then of course it ended up being the boarding call, but you know, they I always to tell you, you Vlad, finish your...
1: So uh, go ahead. One thing I wanted to ask you is just, you know, what what was sort of the crowd reaction to that? Um, you know, was it one of those like, or was it just sort of you know everyone cheering for a big hit kind of thing? I mean, it was was it something that was like everyone that felt yeah off, that, that, that everybody knew like, was a no no, or or was it just sort of such a fast play and it just it, it ended up Doc went in the boards and then everyone's like, oh wow, yeah, I guess that's boring.
0: Uh, I think it was more the latter about it being a big hit, and you you heard, you could you you got the big hit reaction from the crowd, like oh, it, it was it the oh kind of reaction where you, you kind of knew something was off. And again, from where where I sat, it it just seemed like a, a a hit a hit on the board. I couldn't I couldn't see Doc on his knee at that point. Yeah. So it took it took a bit of time to kind of see what was going on. And then, of course, the fallout of, you know, people, you know, coming together, de- grabbing people to throw around with and all that. And I was like, OK, yeah, it's Doc, So that would make sense. And for it to be a boarding call, I was like, uh, I I don't know. At, at again, live, you kind of don't have the benefit of having the bazillion replays in the slow motion. Right. So, I also
2: think the fact that he popped right yeah. up was also like a factor of how you felt. Like you're just like, wow, that was a pretty big hit, but he's right on his feet, you know, you probably think he's fine and you know, he definitely could have milked it, so credit to him.
1: <laughs> right. And that's that's kind of the problem I have with, with maybe two games instead of maybe one. Um, is it they? They seem to be punishing what might have happened rather than what did. And I know you shouldn't really punish outcome. <clears throat> um, but it just it, i feel
2: that way too. Like, like I know that the argument is like a bad hit's a bad hit. It shouldn't matter if it caused injury or not. But I just—I don't know if you can separate that though. Like certain things will always be punished for the action. You know, if you baseball swing the stick to somebody's head, you know, that's when you don't care if the guy's OK or not. You know that that's that's a suspendable play. But a hit, something that's a lot more vague, I think you do have to take into consideration, you know, was the guy OK or not?
1: Right. And and I think the fact that he was OK, that might speak to, to maybe it looked worse than it really was. Like maybe Landy did hold back a little bit knowing he was vulnerable or whatever. Um, you know, and that's you know, that's something we're never going to know, but it it really does reek of of punishing sort of optics and hearsay rather than you know, kind of what really happened.
2: Well, also, he has a reputation, and I think I even said it on our last podcast that I wasn't really super worried about Kadri getting another suspension. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Anybody can, but I felt like the next one is going to be Landy or EJ because those two have histories and, and here we go. So, um, I think if it was anybody else other than those two, maybe it wouldn't have been a suspension. Like say Berkey hit somebody that hard. Like, is he getting suspended for that hit? Probably not. Yeah.
1: It's a good question. um,
2: and I wanted to bring it all up how this all relates to like the toughness narrative. And I I think for me it's just so ironic after listening the whole off season crying about like the abs need to get tougher that this happens in, in game one. And it doesn't excuse like I said, the follow through that Landy did. He absolutely didn't need to do that. But in a way I get it because he was on the radio Earlier this week, taking Bednar's place and talking about how how they want to get ready for the playoffs is having those winning habits, closing out games. Like I saw the argument, he should have let up because the game was almost over. But I disagree with that because you're tr- The last thing you want is to see them score another goal. And actually the the TNT
1: guys were saying at the time that, you know, he, he was doing that because he didn't like the way the team was playing in the previous few shifts. And then, you know, he was trying to fire his team up.
2: I mean, I don't, that might be reading a little bit, but probably in that general realm of setting the tone. He's the leader. Like he's the one that gets commended for setting that physical tone, and that's where you get your toughness. You don't get your toughness from dressing, or maybe not, a borderline AHL goon. Like You don't play that guy, and then all of a sudden your team is tough. Your team's tough because of what the real players do and what tone they set and the the way they want to play. And for me, if you want to be a tougher team and you play that way and you hit more, you're towing the line. You're in the gray area. And these things happen. Like you can't just decide we're going to be a physical team, but every single thing we do is going to be legal. It's like speeding. You're going to hit guys, and they're going to. Some of them are going to be legal, and some aren't. And you just you're just going to have to live with that.
1: Right. And you're you're setting yourself up for you know. Obviously, Gabe's going to miss two games now. Um, you know, you you might have some major penalties to kill through the season, or more major penalties to kill. Uh, more penalties in general, it's... I I mean, maybe they figure just because they draw a ton of calls that they're going to get called for ticky-tack stuff if they don't take a lot of penalties anyway. Uh, So you may as well get your money's worth, or... You know, I just don't know. Um, But, I I mean, I do think you're right. Like, I I don't think you can force being nasty on the ice. Um, I think when you try to do that, that's... You know that that's when you do end up finding where the line is by mistake. Um,
2: it just seems like people want them to just like cross check more in the playoffs, and that that makes you tough. <laughs> and it it's like it starts from day one. It starts from the way you play, and, and maybe they don't even have those players, and it it's just going to come unnatural. But you know, it's funny. You saw the big hits from Sam and Makar on Debrinket, and people love that stuff. <laughs> And hey, those were fun hits, but it's like, it, it's not all going to be that. Like, you're going to get yourself into some tough situations. And I just, I, I find it funny in lieu of this whole tough huge toughness thing. And it's funny, like, I think it was Dater tweeted, well, maybe the team was told to hit more, or they, they decided they want to hit more. And it was like, after the suspension went down. That's like, Psst, you're still driving the narrative, dude. Like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it, I mean it was weird because like it seemed like a few guys were getting targeted. Like I, I remember Brandon Hagel got hit like ten times in the first period. Um,
2: well, he he's probably slow. That's why <laughs> exactly you know. <laughs>
1: um, but uh, you know, as as far as being you know difficult to play against and physical and tough and things like that, like I, I love the way that McKinnon and Miko are able to just destroy people, but it's in the course of doing their business. And, you know, if you want to get in the way back machine to the glory years, I mean, that's, that was Forsberg's game to a tee. Um, You know, Forsberg would destroy guys when he had the puck and Miko does the same thing. And so does Mac. And it's like, that's, that to me is far tougher than, you know, just hitting foos in the open ice. Well, that's
2: what I feel like is what they were missing in the playoffs. It wasn't clearing a guy out of a crease, which, by the way, I don't even recall Vegas scoring a goal in the crease. It it was that they didn't handle the physicality well enough. I feel like McKinnon was the one that got dominated physically. And and like you said, he he has so much the capability to have those reverse hits and to bulldog through people. And it's that mentality. It's the top guys that that they need to be able to to dish it out a little bit and you know, and that most of that stuff is legal, but when, when you toe the line a little bit, things happen and you see the argument a lot, like how would I have felt if that was McKinnon that got hit like doc or if, let's say Byram. I mean, I'd have a complete heart attack if Byram gets hit like that, but it's going to happen. Like regardless if Landy gets suspended or the next guy gets suspended, those kind of hits are going to keep happening. And you're you're not going to take it out of the game. So I don't like those hits. I'm going to be horrified when it happens to us, but it's going to happen, and there's nothing you can do about it.
1: Yeah, you can't scare people into not doing that.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean that's I I I I I've really questioned all off what they meant by getting tougher. Um, and I, I think they are purposely vague ab- about it. I, I don't think it's all just Coke machines and things like that. I, I do think a lot of it's being mentally tougher. I, I do think it's what you were discussing with McKinnon, just not being as physical as he was usually in the series against Vegas. Um, You know, it's like you you need to have that edginess about your game, your physicality, your aggressiveness um, in in the playoffs. You can't just make it like a grind where you're just, you know, it's it's the Canadians getting 52 hits in one period kind of thing. I mean, I, I just don't think you can play like that and have a lot of success.
2: And which is why I wanted to bring it up. Like, I don't. As much as we laugh about the toughness and the goon and the stuff and stuff like that is, I think it is a legitimate point to bring up. I like the physicality in the game and I wouldn't mind if they played a little bit, you know, more physical or tougher or whatever you want to say, a little dirtier. I would be okay with that, but I would understand there's consequences and you live with that. If you're a Vegas and you play like that, you understand a few things are going to happen. You might get a suspension, but that's your team identity. And and if the Avs want to to go more in that direction, I'm okay with it. But you have to understand what all that means. And I don't think it's necessarily a negative, which is why I think it's a worthwhile thing to bring up, but it's, it's so much more than just a goon, <laughs> it's just, is what is so irritating about the whole narrative.
0: Yeah, it's about finding that perfect balance between, you know, finesse and this element of toughness. And that toughness is, you know, like so many other things, a subjective term. Is it a Ryan Reeves kind of toughness? Is it a Tom Wilson kind of toughness? Or is it a Peter Forsberg kind of toughness? Is it a Michael Rantanen kind of toughness? Like we've already highlighted here. What is that element of toughness that fits into this avalanche identity of finesse and speed and the skill. Maybe that's something that they wanted to look at over the off season and try to find a way to integrate that into being more than just speed.
1: And it, I, I think the goal in any of that, you know, whether you're using your speed or your toughness is to try to, to get the other team off their game. Um, You know, and, there are plenty of ways to do that. Like, all right, you take, like, I think it was at the end of the second period, maybe the first when O'Connor, you know, had that sort of play at the end of the period where, um, and he's basically alone and taking on, you know, four black Hawks, you know, he's,
2: I hate scrums, by the way. I just, I personally hate them so much. Right. <laughs> but so he was dumb. just
1: being sandpapery. And that's something like, you know, that, that that was sort of Comfer's bill of sale, and and you know he's kind of gotten away from that. I I'm not sure why. Um, I, you know I, I think that's something that he can do well, but he just doesn't he, he doesn't really play that agitator role that well. And and you know if if O'Connor can do that, that's that's great. I th- I think you need more than one guy doing it though, and um you know it just sort of integrates itself inside the personality of the whole team
2: i mean i i see what you're saying it's it's something that these guys do i don't know if it ever wears the other team down i think they just waste time but sure that's one other area where if you're the team that's always getting the last poke after a whistle you know is that another way to assert yourselves i think it's possible
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I I think if if we're talking about different kinds of toughness, I think you do need sort of a a variety of things like that. You know, you want a little bit of the San Parapuri agitator. You want a little more of the, the Miko power and, you know, Gabe with his borderline hits and things like that. (laughs) Um, You know, it's... if you do it that way, you're spreading it out among the whole team, and it it creates more of an identity rather than just you know a couple guys that are, you know, doing the 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 load of of work. Yeah, on right. That.
2: Exactly because because a couple guys are just so easy to navigate around, and I just don't think the other team cares that much. Like their tough guys know that they're towing the line, and they either might have to answer the bell or or get hit back. And I don't, I just don't think they care. Yeah. So for me, I would have wanted to go after like a real hockey player. That is kind of that guy. And I know it's much easier said than done, but you know, when you're, you're pl- planning to add to your team, it's, you know, it, it's something that you prioritize rather than like trying the quick fix, I think. So it, it is something you build over time, but I would rather see like a decent player brought in that can do that. So, you know, maybe that's something to look at going into the future, but I
1: mean decent player um, like guys that can be gritty and tough and then also have skill. I mean And skill. Yeah. Yeah. Those are hard to find. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) But even
2: a guy like Sam Bennett, let's say, like he's somebody that was legitimately available and he's somebody that is a hard hitter. And, um, I think he is a bit of a deterrent in a way. So maybe something like that, for example, you can't just go out and get a Tom Wilson or a Kachuk. Like that's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think apps fans could handle a Tom Wilson. I just put it that way too.
1: No, I mean, I'd, you know, I, I, I think that's, I, I think that's part of the problem a lot of us have with. McDermott being on the roster is like he's really only capable of doing things that are, you know, basically bad. Um,
2: right. Like you think all of his hits are going to be legal? Come on. Right. But I know nobody. Cares. And we've watched, watched him in the suspended. AHL for years, I and mean,
1: he's a dirty <laughs> player. I and mean, you know, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, he hurt Joe's. Do people not remember that? Yeah,
1: and he. I mean, he's done that to a lot of people in the AHL. I mean, that's just you know, that's that's why. That's why Dan Maggio cold cocked him and knocked him right out. Um
2: (laughs) But nobody's gonna care if he gets suspended, but it's about the other players. You know, you say, Well, you want that done to your your players. No, I don't I don't want a goon to take my players out with a dirty hit, and that's exactly what you're condoning here.
1: Well, and also it's like if if McDermott, you know, hits somebody and knocks him out, um you know, it's like they're not going to go back after him. They're going to go after Makar, or they're going to go after Nate, or you know, someone that that is going to matter. Um. So in that way, it's it's more of a magnet than a deterrent.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Maybe he's going to have to play now, but um. Yeah, the, the whole Goon thing is just I mean, when he d- couldn't dress game one, and they had to call up Megna. That was just kind of like, here's your clue.
1: Well, I mean, like about... you can kind of say like, well, it's the Hawks, and they're not gonna, you know, they're not a big physical team, and maybe they were saving them for St. Louis. Who knows? But you know, the, we'll we'll see how it plays well, out. I, I... <clears throat> well, somebody has to
0: fight Brayden Shen now. <laughs> <laughs> Just because Landis Dog's out of it doesn't mean he gets to breathe easy.
2: (laughs) I guess we got to now. And Washington. I guess we'll be ready.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you're Tom Wilson, you're looking at McDermott you're like, you know, get the hell away from me.
2: (laughs) Right, exactly. Does Tom Wilson care? He does not care.
4: (laughs) Go away. (laughs)
1: I guess. I, I, I yeah. guess it, so one thing- it's time to talk about why we might see McDermott against St. Louis, because <laughs> aside from all the injuries we had leading up to the first game, we got some more. Well, before we start
0: that, I wanted—I just want to touch on this real brief, real briefly—with the goaltending. It was something I mentioned on our last episode about marc Andre Fleury being the starter now for. Uh, I almost said Vegas, for, for Chicago. And now we have Darcy Kemper in the starters role for the Avs. So you have two goaltenders on two new teams. You have one, obviously, that has some history knocking out the Avs last season in the playoffs. And then you've got, in the burgundy and blue, you've got somebody brand new learning the system and acclimating to a new new role, new environment. So for from my, from my perspective, it was really... Evident to see that there was a split between the two goaltenders that I felt Kemper was more and more confident as his game went on. And I think he settled into that crease really nicely and started playing to the, uh, a level that maybe people may not be aware of him because he was in Arizona for so long. And people looked at the other end and saw that's Marc-Andre Fleury. That's, Marc-André Fleury that knocked us out of the playoffs, Marc-André Fleury. He didn't seem like Marc-André Fleury. He seemed like just a dude. Well, it's funny
2: the, the game 5 of that series with Fleury wasn't at his best. Do you remember that that hilarious goal that Saad scored right before the the end of the period and that Fleury was getting queued on and then he got beat. <laughs> <laughs> so um so I mean I see what you're getting at Vlad because he he's a good goalie and it's it's going to be an adjustment for him playing with that kind of defense and and maybe a team that's going to be a lot more inconsistent than Vegas. But, you know, as you're describing that, it did remind me that Flurry was kind of falling apart a little bit by the end of that series. So, I don't know. You, you kind of sort of saw a continuation of that. Almost like when Seattle played Vegas and they were picking apart Grubauer and you're almost kind of like, you know... <laughs> They kind of remembered some of those looks, and it's almost like the abs did the exact same thing to flurry. Like maybe they had figured him out a little bit by the end. Of course, it was too little, too late. But um, just it interesting uh, comparison there for me.
1: Yeah, I, I thought Kemper, uh, the Kemperer, um, I thought he he really did get better and better. I I, I think what he showed in in the second period. You know, I, I think that's when he finally was like, boom! I'm part of this team, and I know what's going on. Um, it was quick a- adaptation because, I mean, obviously, like facing, you know, was it three three shots in the first fifteen minutes or something like that? Like, you didn't really get a feeling like that. That's a tough way to get into a game. Um, you know, and then the power play goal. You know, that was a great shot, but you know, it, it, he he saw it. Um. But he
0: really he had no problem on those Hawks breakaways. Yeah. He handled those effortlessly. Right. Um but
2: Hawks so, Hawks, some Hawks fans would say the dog has a little problem finishing.
3: Yeah. He, another
2: he
1: little did that part night part of that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but <laughs> to be fair, he was g- good. He was probably the most noticeable Hawk. So good for him in that regard. But um one thing I noticed with Kemper is it does seem like just from the little that we've seen of him in preseason is he does need to kind of settle into a game where once he's like solid, then he's solid all the way, but he just might not quite be there yet. Like at the very beginning. Yeah. So that'll be something to watch. I, and I
1: think that's something as he becomes more comfortable with the abs that that'll change because, you know, as we saw in the series, we played against Arizona a couple of years ago, <clears throat> you know, he was dialed in from puck drop in a bunch of those games or why do you got to hurt me this way? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just a note about flurry. Like, I don't think he had a lot of chance on, you know, it's like Jack Johnson, like who the hell thinks Jack Johnson's going to score a goal <laughs> like that? You know, it's like, he's never going to go back. Oh my God. He's going back in on me. It's in shit. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and I, the- <laughs> Then- I I took a ridiculous
0: amount of satisfaction out of that just for the fact that that happened to be one of the questions at our game winning goal
1: challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the-
2: it was great honestly though just to- <laughs> just to see. I had a feeling that, you know, the the first goal score, it's like never Miko or something that you totally expect. It's always something kind of funny, but yeah, for him to score like that on a breakaway, the backhand, was just Yeah. That was such a great way to start it. And I was hap- happy for him, honestly, because after all the crap this guy took, and then just a score like that, and he scored it while everyone on the East Coast was still watching. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, too. I know.
1: And I said this, and you know, who, who knows how this Jack Johnson experiment turns out, but. um you know, this could be something that like very late in his career, he finally finds the system that works with his game that he never had in Columbus or Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and, and it could be just sort of a combination of that and him saying I'm 36, screw it. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go for it and, you know, look what's happening. I mean, it's, it's working. <clears throat> um, um, but it, you know, it, it would be really nice to find a guy that plays his role, and you know is is able to to go for it a little bit like that. It, is able to play some defense and, and not be a, a total nemeth about it. Um, <laughs> you know, I was going it, to say
2: it's... nothing else. We weren't getting that goal from nemeth,
1: so <laughs> right. And and so you know, it's one of those things. Like you know, I, I doubt. I doubt it's something that like it's going to earn him another contract next year or anything like that. You know, he's probably looking at this as is maybe his last year in the NHL and, and make it a good one and, and hopefully end up with a, with a cup. <clears throat> um, you know, he he's, he's been a welcome surprise. I think he's, he's changed a lot of minds so far through training camp and, and you know, that goal,
2: yeah, I haven't minded him overall for sure. Like I have an open mind to him. Just you know, my big worry was what is that going to do to Byron's place on the team, but you know, at this point that that's not a question. So Right. Um yeah, if he can be solid, if they're willing to scratch Mur- if he's better than Murray and they're willing to scratch Murray, then cool. You know, um it seems like he is playing at a decent, like five six level. So he keeps set up, then we're fine with him in the lineup,
1: right? And I think we saw in in preseason that you know maybe a, a high tempo of games is is not going to suit him that well. So it, you know, I, I really don't. I, I really hope that it's not a situation where they fall in love with him and want to play him every night, and it's just not something. You, that, that he can do and and be effective if he's you know if he's more effective playing 50 games or 40 games even you know go with that um, and make do
2: right where you where you're getting your advantage and your competitive advantage is if you have a guy like him is your six seven when he is your guy that's your four then you've given up your competitive advantage
1: right well I mean it's I mean, if you're just overusing him in general, even if it's, if he plays 80 games at 10 minutes a night, I don't think that's, that's productive. Um, I I just don't, I don't think his body's going to be able to take it that well. I I think, you know, at his age and just not having been, you know, in Bednar shape before in his life, it's, it's just, you know, it's going to be tough for him to, to really adjust to that amount of physical activity in, in one season.
2: I mean, we'll see. I I wish that Bednar was a bit more open minded to load management, especially for the bottom of the roster guys, or especially the older bottom of the roster guys. Like those are the guys you don't need to see three or four times a week. You don't need to see both games of a back to back. But he just loves making his roster and rolling with it. So yeah. So we'll
1: no, see. That's, that's that's kind of kind of the way it goes every year and i i do think that i, I just I, I it it was so obvious in that whatever game was that like the second game he played that that he was he was kind of tapped and and maybe it did get a little bit better during training camp i you know i didn't see most of the last three games so like,
2: i think he was fine in game 6 the Dallas game at home yeah. but then he was also in that like third pair minute wise where maybe in the previous games he played more. Yeah. And it seemed like he was kind of wearing down a little bit more. So perhaps that has also helped.
1: They'll figure, you know, they'll they'll figure out what makes him work, hopefully by the end of the season.
4: Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um
1: and, and you mentioned by the time
0: we do our, our next show, he could still be, you know, keeping pace, but then in three weeks. we'd be like, well, what cliff did he drop out of? Right. And it-
2: I mean, not going to lie. It'd be kind of cool to see him hit a thousand just cause that's, that's a, a neat milestone. And how often do you even see that? Right. But
1: I'm trying to think like, you know, I, you know other, other than the <laughs> obvious abs, you know, I think like, I remember Andrew Chuck got his thousands with the abs. Um, you know, it's, it's a big deal.
4: <clears throat>
2: yeah. So, and that would be 50 games for him, which I, I think is a reasonable expectation. And and if he hits that, and he's healthy and productive, and and he's not nemeth over the cliff by then, then that's okay. Then then we're happy about it.
1: And then you you brought up Murray as a possible sitter instead. Um,
2: I mean, I, I think it's yep. something that we're gonna have to start considering because you know knock on wood the decision will be made for them with somebody going down but um like he played less than johnson and i'm not sure they're entirely enamored with murray which i don't know like pete made a weird comment and you're just thinking oh it's just pete but something like oh he's played well enough he's probably gonna make this team and we're all like what murray (laughs) probably will make this team like what
4: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Like
2: you know, where they signed him for two million dollars, right? <laughs> like they like they're not burying this guy in the AHL and and carrying a one million dollar cap hit. But is, is that just kind of like the vibe? Like they really think of him as the the end of the roster kind of guy because the way they're using him and, and weird things like he didn't have a hype video for Media Day and, and maybe some there was another reason that has nothing to do with anything. But it's just kind of like. Why wouldn't they have made a video for him? I don't know. <laughs> just
3: <laughs>
1: well, I mean, sometimes
2: it, I, things start adding up, and you're just kind of like, you know, maybe he's the guy that's going to start sitting out.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that you know, he's he's kind of been lagging. I, I think the turnovers have gotten a little better since preseason, um, but it.
2: He just seems like he's not comfortable with the system, and maybe once he gets it, he's going to look a lot better. But then also, like he—he's just a weak passer, like weak on the clears. Has that always been his calling card? Is he just not that strong on the puck?
1: I—I I mean, I—I don't—I don't really know. I mean, it, like the—the the thing that's weird with Murray for me. And and they do this all the time with veterans. Is they're like, oh, you know, he's a veteran. He can, you know, he's solid defensively and all that, just because he's been in the league for a long time. And it's like that's, you know, that's not really sort of who he is or or who he was at least in, in the productive years of his career. Um, you know, it's like he was. He wasn't Barry, but it's like he was, you know, he was a fairly offensive defenseman kind of guy. I mean, he's not a guy that you'd be like, oh, yeah, let's put him on the PK, get him some tough minutes and <laughs> defensive zone and stuff like that. Um, they
2: do it every year. We see every year, whoever they bring in in the summer. And it's like, you know, that guy's going to be on the PK. And, it, and then a whole bunch of people like well he's played 10 minutes of his career on the PK it's like the ABS don't
1: care <laughs> he's been in the league for 7 years he's fine
2: <laughs> he's he's going to yeah pk number 1 he's just you're just going to hope for the best
1: yeah. um you know, and it's obviously it's just one game, so it's like a lot can change. We could all love Ryan Murray by Christmas, but um, it's just but he's something. The, he's the slowest start of all the D men so far. I mean, sans Tays. Um,
0: so it's... yeah, just checking the time on ice from Friday, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Ryan Murray had the fewest amount of ice time out of all the defensemen at fifteen thirty-five. Byram had the second fewest at sixteen thirty-three. Eric Johnson at seventeen oh three. Jack Johnson 1859. Uh Carr had twenty two thirty one and Sam had twenty-two forty nine.
2: And then if you look at Even Strength, which then Byron was number three behind Sam and McCarr at Even Strength, and then then you could really see that Murray's time was lower.
1: Well actually EJ played less than he did barely by um a little less than little less than fifteen sec or eighteen seconds, let's say. Um at, at but I'm saying and you can
2: see who they're they're playing less at even strength. Like, yeah. you know, I I saw some comments that they're like, "Oh, wow, I didn't play fire much." It's like, do you realize he had eight straight minutes of special teams? Like, that's why.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a third of the game from the from the time the Avs scored their third goal, like the the rest of the game, a third of it was special teams. So. You know, it's like from then on. It's like there was not a lot of flow. Um, there was a lot of, you know, trying to weave guys in, get get guys minutes when they could. Um, and it just, it's just that's I don't know. It, it just made for some. <clears throat> it made for it made for not a great night for him time on ice wise.
2: So that's something that to watch too, because if Jack Johnson plays more consistently, then you're you are looking at like Murray's gonna be the one out of the lineup because we've noticed that too. Like with the forwards, whoever plays the least amount of time, you know that that's the guy that's on the bubble. <laughs> it happens all the time, unless it's Magna.
1: Like, <laughs> unless it's Magna. Hey. They- <laughs>
2: Down well, they did actually send him down, but well, who was next after Megna?
1: Um, at 5v5, it was O'Connor. Well, <clears throat> but yeah, that, well, the, the whole fourth line was the least used.
2: But who played more between Sampo and New Hook? Sampo, uh, yes, so there, there's your clue, too.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it. Spoiler for the game winning gold challenge, folks. Sorry.
2: <laughs> uh, Bednar sends his messages with time on ice. Now, obviously, there's situations. I mean, Sample got two like, more
1: shifts than New Hook. I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm he, not going to read a ton message, into that.
2: And I know he wasn't even on the bench, but he sends his messages with time on ice. I'm saying it's a very important thing to look at because if you want to see how they feel about somebody, there's gonna be your sign, right?
1: And that's that's why uh, that's just another reason that I really disregard a lot of what happened in this game because you know you've got Ray Bennett and using yes, the forwards it was, and it was and a lot of garbage, right? Time, it was fifty of minutes of garbage, garbage time and stuff like that. So it's <clears throat> um you know it. it I, I think this is just a game. They're like <laughs> they're just laughing after ten minutes. They're like. This just couldn't be going better. <laughs>
0: but. So garbage is a hell of a segue, but uh, so the uh, roster moves here.
2: <laughs> well, New Hook is a segue. <laughs> Speaking of Alex Newhook.
0: Yeah. Uh, as announced, they sent down Alex New Hook. Recall Jason Magnus, Stefan Mato, and Dylan Sakura for Saturday's game. We've got some injury reports out of uh, the presser today, with Natushian uh, being uh, week-to-week, Darren Helm, and Audrey Burakovsky, Uh Probable. Probable, I think, was what they said. Yeah, but
1: probable could mean week-to-week, too. <laughs> well, and <laughs> and the week-to-week just... could also mean... Career-ending injury, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome week- to the mystery spot.
2: To me, week to week just means no surgery. Is what week to week means.
1: No, because Frank was week to week last year. <laughs> but then it was
2: just like don't ask. But then, then he got into the don't ask territory. Long term, long unavailable. No
1: <laughs> unavailable. Um, stop asking. <laughs> yeah.
2: But obviously, you know, for those that saw the game, Nuke looked like Nachushkin jammed his wrist or something, so it's pretty easy to figure out it's some sort of wrist ailment. They
1: did finish the game, Helm, but was obviously affected.
2: Helm got hit really hard by Riley Stillman, who's the Hawks now, like, hard hitter, tough, tough guy, whatever you want to call him, so... We just don't, and we know he's up there in age. We just don't know. Like, he's very his fragility index, I <laughs> you could say. And, um, Berkey, n- none of us saw anything, so it probably is minor. Um, you just at this point, those guys have to go because there's nothing else they can do. And so the moves that were made today are interesting on several fronts because they're all very impacted by the. They're missing guys. They're missing McKinnon now for COVID. They're missing Landeskog now because of the suspension. Now you throw legitimate injuries on top of that. It's very early in the year, so they have not banked any cap space. So you're very limited on the number of guys you can call up. So part of that is the reason why they made these recalls, but it's an it's not like that's why they sent Newhook down. It, I've been saying for quite a while that this was kind of like looming on the horizon that they weren't super thrilled with his camp and the way he's been playing. So all and right. they made...
1: what what about Newhook's game is is really displeasing everybody?
2: The the exact reason why you said they they weren't happy with Bowers, he's. He's not doing anything. he's never on the puck. He's not doing anything with the puck. He's very soft in his battles, and some of his defensive coverage has been not good
1: I mean, i I watched because you know i i obviously I have to watch these games a day late, and I get people's hot takes and sort of watch for what what people say. And I'm trying to I, I'm comparing Sampo to New Hook. And I'm trying to see, just sort of the differentiators. And obviously, Sampo is more physical; he stands out more. And you know, that's a good thing. I mean, that's you know, that's what he needs to be doing. He, I think, he needs to do that more. And I'm not saying like you know that's something he needs to improve on. I just I think, you know, I, as he gets gets more experience in the league, I, I think he'll be. A little more agitatory, you know, not in a comfort way, but just sort of like, you know, hitting people, uh, making people frustrated. Um,
2: You mean Sampo, right? Just to be clear. Yeah, like, like, he has to be using his size and he has to be using his speed. Yeah. And I don't think he's really, he, he's really not a gray area type of guy. Like the things that Sampo does to me feels like very, like in the legal end of life. But he just has to be that that bull.
1: And And he was in the NCAA for three years, so it's like you kind of have to unlearn some things. You know, first of all, like <clears throat> the dirty stuff that they do because everybody wears masks. You can't, you know, that stuff sort of has to go out of your game. But then again, there is a lot of the NCAA is more conservative with things as well, as far as oh, uh, sort of
2: he just wasn't like that in at Minnesota either. He like he's a very right side of morality kind of player. Which is okay, but you know, just for anybody out there that thinks that he's going to get like a little bit of that that nasty edge, that little bit of underhand, that's just not him. He he's just going to run you over because
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Because
2: he's the big guy and he's going to get to the puck first and that's okay. And I see, I think I know what you're getting at with that's just his game. That's not New Hook. And that has been my argument a thousand times because of Bowers and Cow. Like, they are not Logan O'Connor. They will never look like Logan O'Connor. So, why are you expecting it? And so, that's sort of the thing. Like, New Hook isn't going to look like Sampo. So, why do you prefer what Sampo does?
1: Right. And why do you, I mean, why not have both? I mean, because, <laughs> like, you can use both guys. Well,
2: just as you've said it before, they can only deal with so many young guys. It was coming to a head. Like, I don't think their plan was New Hook was going to go this weekend. Like, he wasn't with the Eagles on the trip and everything. But I always felt like when they started that road trip, and went to washington that they were going to make some decisions and that they probably were thinking about cutting him because and i also said <laughs> you know the whole hey they made the team and it's like this big pomp and circumstance not that we got to see any season introductions or anything but um <laughs> not to get to like oh boy both of these guys made it because they weren't going to continue with that
1: it was like timmy making it, it a couple years before. ago
2: right <laughs> yeah it's just and just like all these young guys in the league scoring their first goals, and it's cool, and I love seeing it. But a lot of those guys are gonna be gone by November. So I'm just not taking it serious till till I see who's who's around in November. then you know, like, okay, this guy probably really is part of your team. So I think there was going to be a decision between the two. And like I had said, I thought it was a competition between the two. I thought Maltsev's competition was something else, and maybe it is because he isn't even back. So, maybe they're even sending a message there or something but they were always going to choose between Sampo and Newhook and they just they just like guys that do that kind of speed and and four check kind of stuff and i've kind of described Newhook as like a opportunist creator like he doesn't drive the bus from the defensive zone like like the play needs to start happening and then he jumps in and facilitates it like i'm not trying to call him a passenger either because he's not he's a threat to shoot and play make but he's not going to start the play it kind of needs to be happening and then he jumps in and so it's unfortunate when you are playing with other rookies and Joast and none of them are super strong on the puck and you're asking him to just pull something out of thin air and he's not going to do
1: that. So, but he, I mean, they kind of did. Extent, I thought,
2: it is unfair.
1: I thought those guys created three good scoring chances. One of them was Sampo and Newhook both in the corner, and they passed it out to Joe to out of a point blank shot, and he comforted it. <clears throat> and then <laughs>
2: they had some moments, yeah. And then
1: Newhook had the had a really good pass to Sampo in front of the net, and it just you know it was, it was a good save by Flurry. Um, and then there was a. They, they had a, a third one where it wasn't even Jost on the ice with them, But, you know, it's like those guys created some stuff. And this was basically, I think it was all after the three goals, the first three goals had been scored. Because um, they only got three shifts before that. Um, so, I, I mean, it's like a lot of people are saying that that line was terrible. And I really don't think they were. You know, it's like Jost has kind of looked weird. All preseason.
2: Well, it was better than they look like in preseason because yeah. that game I saw with them against Dallas, like they were just getting killed.
1: And it was their first game and together. Funny. And it's just like I, I, don't know what you expect. I mean, it's like you, you know, you need some time to play with these guys. They didn't even. But
2: this is the same. Ar- this is like the exact same count argument. Like it literally doesn't matter if you weren't good, you weren't good. And he wasn't good.
1: I don't think they were bad though. I mean, that's a thing.
2: I, I, well, neither was caught. It's not like he was No, I'm just goals saying goals that again. line,
1: like I don't think that line was bad. And I I saw a lot of people saying like all oh, the third line was terrible and you, you know, I'm just like I mean, I really don't think they were. I mean, they, you know, they weren't the ones that were getting trapped in the defensive zone and I mean, nobody was, really.
2: No, or making like the direct turnover or anything, but Yeah. You just
1: they they didn't stand out that much. That's the thing. You know, if you're looking for a group of guys that, you know, you wanted to stand out. I mean, it's like they're, you know, they're they're playing 50 minutes of garbage time. They're being asked to be slightly conservative with the puck and things like that. And they were. Um, they covered their guys. But they broke the, the puck out when they could. And, you know.
2: But this goes way back. And I'm, I'm not trying to say, like, I'm down on New Hook. I'm just saying this was coming and people just didn't want to see it. Because the writing when Benner went on that huge rant and he lumped Byram in there, it's just to make it sound like it wasn't about Newhook because it was. And then he said New Hook needed to pick it up and he did score that night. And it was on a goal that Byram did like 90% of the work on, but he did put it in the net and he deserves credit for that. And then the game right after that, he did nothing. And then the, the last game at home, he, he just hasn't done anything. Like I mean,
1: the last game at home, they, last game at home Sampo took four penalties. So, I mean, it's like Like they they all have their warts. It's just
2: that's the that's the other thing is that once, of course, they're overlooking some things like samples still not great in coverage. Um, you know, the four penalty thing is just more funny. It's I think it'd be worse if he had a penalty in four consecutive games than like a four penalty game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like then that shows like you just you're not disciplined. This keeps happening in completely different situations and stuff like that. But once they've made up their mind that they like somebody, they're not looking for any reason to take them out of the lineup. And in some ways, you you know that Newhook's going to be back. You know that he's going to get the 100% red carpet in the AHL. He's going to be on that power play unit. I swear to God, he's going to have like 10 power play points by the end of this month, if he's even there that long. And they'll bring him back. Someone like Sampo, they love him, but you know, he's a third rounder. He was on the third line when he was there last year. You know, this is Sampo's opportunity to be a real NHL player. He doesn't have three years, like everyone thinks. He sure doesn't. Like, (laughs) he pretty much has to stick now. Now, I'm not saying he gets sent down for two weeks and comes back. Like, you know, little here and there you could tweak that statement. But in general, if he doesn't make it now, this is it. Like They're serious about him and they've kept him through the purge and they like something about his game and he has to keep doing it and they have to keep liking it and then maybe he will stay. So, But this was a big <clears throat> point of decision for them. And it's not just because of
1: well, let's look at the alternate at the theories at least. <laughs> um, they they haven't officially called up, and we, you know, from from the AHL site, we hear it's it's Magna Sakura and Matteau.
2: No, the ABS tweeted. Oh, the
1: ABS, it. abs tweeted it. It's not yeah. on. It, it hasn't been filed with the league yet. Um, they actually, according to. Cap friendly, they don't have space for all three of those guys. Um, But according to what's the 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 other site, they do barely.
2: Uh. Yeah, I think they they do well. Okay, here's the other thing: is um, you know, I've I've seen some excuses that this is the only way they could use three players and have it fit under the cap. Now, one point to that is Sampo costs more than Newhook, so. That, that also tells you, it, 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 between them, it was definitely about a competition. But we're on day four, as we record on Friday of the season. Tomorrow, game day will be game five. Every day that goes by, a player's cap hit decreases. And those that are at, say, 750000 so there's 200 games in the season this year, or yeah, days in the season, there's 200. So every single day is one 200th of their cap hit. So, so let's take like Megna or somebody that's 750,000, that's 3,750 less that their cap hit is every single day that goes by. Well, so I see the argument day. that. Right, but it goes down because when you call a guy up, you have to have the money to pay what he's owed for the rest of the season. Right, So that's why it's such a bigger deal now that it will be in even, say, two months because you have to fit a guy's full cap hit. So I've heard the argument they couldn't use Maltsev because he costs $9,000 more than Secura. There's already been $9,000 taken off of, like, Mateo and Begna's cap hits.
1: Okay, so, but, all right, just just bear with me here for a second. <clears throat> one way to maximize your cap relief under long-term injury relief is to get as close to the cap without going over, and, you know, if, if the other site is the correct one and they're under by 3,000 or whatever it is, that would be a great way to do it. <clears throat> they could put Frank, or t- they could put Taves, but probably Frank would be the better candidate. Um,
2: then they'd be calling up ELC guys. They'd be calling up Bowers and whoever yeah, but has only, the full cap. They
1: just need to do I'm this. To this think. is the math. This is the math that works out the best for them. Like they could even.
2: They don't want to be an LTIR. They're, they're not going to use
1: LTIR. I mean, they maybe they do, maybe they, they don't. Be an LTIR. I mean, it, it, it would seem they might need it. Um, but to maximize their relief, this is the way to do it. Um, so that's well, then, one alternate like said, theory, you, and I'm not seen... saying that's what they're going to do. I'm just saying if you were going to do that, this is a great way to do it. Um, and to me, even, it seems like and it... they could even not use those three guys in the game tomorrow night because at five o'clock they could send them down and then call up Newhook again, even if they wanted to, um, or whoever they felt like doing. It could be Newhook and Bowers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um. I mean, the the complicating thing is that the Eagles are playing in Henderson, Nevada right now. Yeah. And all those guys have been sent. So this is exactly when people are like, oh, Colorado Eagles and Abs are always in the same place. No, they're not.
1: <laughs> no. And even though so it's, both teams
2: play on the if road. there's going to be
1: a place and- that's easy to get to and from on a commercial flight, it, Vegas would be that place. But. Um, it's sure, just it,
2: good thing. They're playing there and not Abbott. Yeah, exactly. This weekend. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, one of the questions, but if is they what, did, did have to replace
1: Burkowski and Helm tomorrow, let's say that they were right, just that's lying the big their asses, Like is... Berkey's got a broken arm and, and Helm has a shattered <laughs> breastbone and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, they're going to need more people. Um, so they would need, they would, well, they would have the, to do LTRR at that point, and maybe they don't, don't even know. So and you know, maybe that's part of it. They just don't know if Helm and Burakovsky are going to be ready. So they,
2: well, sure, you can't count on it if the guys can't practice. You have to entertain the possibility that they're not going to be able to go right. for a game. Of course, they know what their ailments are. We don't, but if the guy can't practice. It, you know, you got to think about it. Um, I believe that McKinnon has, because he's on the COVID protocol list that the Avs are afforded uh, an emergency roster exception, which allows a team to call up a guy that makes a million or less for zero cap hit. So I still think that's on the table.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if they absolutely need one more person, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we don't know these things, but I mean, COVID still exists and he's on the COVID list, so right, that's seems like something that's that's a possibility. I would they just play someone short? I mean, at that point you're talking about guys that are just going to play nothing. Like what difference does it make at that point? Um, you know, I don't know. They, they're they definitely up a Creek at this point.
1: Right. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, a, it's uh, a, like Gabe suspension is kind of the catalyst for all this. Cause I think, you know, kind of without that they're, they're fine. Um, you know, even if they have to play short a little bit.
2: Um You know, I noticed they put Taze on AR at nine o'clock during that game. <laughs> <laughs> but that was kind of funny too. Yeah. Like they kind of knew something was going on, but um You know, if if someone is hanging around for if they use L T I R or the roster exception or something, you would think it'd be new hook over Someone else because he's the last guy that actually played for them that's out of the lineup.
1: Right. I mean, and
2: he's obviously not in the lineup in Henderson, even though they say he's going to report there. So it's not a paper transaction. This is like a real thing.
1: Yeah. And obviously, the three guys they called up are, you know, they either didn't go or were called back like immediately because of the. Eagles went to Henderson yesterday. Um,
2: right. Maybe they had to come back, but there's there's one day to get back from Vegas. Yeah. So they probably do it.
1: So, I mean, it's just, this is, um, it, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And, you know, maybe we will just end up seeing like a Magna Sakura Mato line tomorrow night and all the joy that will bring. No, what McDermott. a way to honor the late Pierre exactly.
2: <laughs> Oh, no. But here's the other thing. They're going to have to use McDermott. Oh, yeah. Because
3: do that. they
2: they yeah. need to use everybody now. So whether he's a forward, whether he's a seventh defenseman, I don't... Or neither. He doesn't really have to be either, I guess. No.
4: He could be uh, the backup goalie. He'll be playing.
2: <laughs> 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 He'll be on the ice doing something. So... Uh, You know, hopefully New Hook comes back soon, but I think they're serious about they want him to get him him to get some games there. Because this is what they do. This isn't out of the the norm whatsoever. The weird thing to me is Maltsev. Why they can't use him. You know, they chose because Megna over him. Because
1: he's not old.
2: Okay, but he's the one that played an entire year in the NHL and all these other guys didn't.
1: Oh, but it I mean he, he's only twenty-three and those other guys are above twenty four. <laughs> I mean, you're not to over me, twenty-five. That's you're not worthy thing. of playing a defensive I know.
2: role. And this is like total blanky time that all these guys are out of the lineup. You know Bednar's not happy that like no Landy, no McKinnon. He expressed his displeasure and and their reaction to that is if we have to play all these fringe roster guys then we're just gonna get all the old ones and just hope for the best. And that's what they do.
1: On pure LaCroix night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I would have just thought that Maltsev wouldn't be treated like Bowers. They traded for him. He was an NHL regular last year. He's a center. All those AHL dudes are not centers. They're especially not NHL centers. Like just give it up already. I mean I think and magna
1: is kind he- of a center. <laughs> no, he is not. I mean, he's more he hes drive- more kind of a center than the other two. Like, they say Sakur is a center, oh, but I don't think God. he is.
2: Like, Maltzev can win a face-off? To me, that's the confounding thing. Like, everyone thinks the new hook getting sent down is, like, crazy pants. It, that is not crazy pants to me whatsoever. What I, I think is crazy is they just won't use Maltzev. It's not about the freaking $9,000 either. Nah. It's not. So In fact,
1: he's not twenty-five, and he doesn't score very much.
2: Those guys aren't scoring at the NHL level either. That
1: doesn't matter. They're over defending. twenty-five. They could score zero goals for a hundred <laughs> games straight, and they'd be better. <laughs>
2: yep, so we're gonna see them all tomorrow night. Just. Hopefully, all I can say is hopefully it's not like that for long. Uh, that new hook will be back sooner than later, which I think he will be. I don't think he's like buried forever. He's at least, he's the guy that they're gonna remember.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, and he, he can- I'm
2: sure they're gonna use Maltev at some point.
1: But I mean, like I said on last a- week's show, I mean it's the, like anyone that scouted him knows sort of how his seasons go. I mean, it's like he's <laughs> pretty deliberate in how he acclimates to a season and you know if if it takes going down to the AHL to do that it is what it is but you know as the season progresses you know they
2: they're, they're going to need it right. because
1: it's not just that he's going to be yeah, worthy they, of needing
4: <laughs>
2: <clears throat> he's going to potentially provide more than anybody else and if you're using these fringe AHLers you already know that yeah they're not not going to score ever Right and and they're going to need scoring, and it's nuke out. I don't even want to think. They already needed two nukes. Now they need three. Yeah, that's that's not going to be pretty either.
3: No,
1: nah, I mean it's just
0: in, the, in defense of Magna. Real quick, he did go 100% in the face-off dot on Wednesday. One for one, winning like his two faceoff one, one. faceoff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You gotta keep that streak going.
1: <laughs> that's like for that's like Ambrosio for BC. He takes like one or two faceoffs a game, but he usually wins them.
2: <laughs> Let's just say in preseason, Magna was not winning face-offs. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. See, I
1: mean, that's already at a marked improvement. <laughs> <laughs> He's gotta be better than Comper.
2: <laughs> just one of these days, you have to have better. You just you have to. And I get I guess I should be thankful, you know, thank God they they kept Sampo through the purge. Cuz he's more expensive too. So, at least they've done that, but hope they don't pull the plug on him soon. He might be on the second line though. So, now would be a good time to score.
1: He might be on the really first line. Really good time to score. I mean- <laughs> McDermott could be on the first line by the end of the night.
2: Ugh, don't say that. So yeah, that's where we're at. After one game. One game. <laughs> one game.
1: Only 81 left.
3: We're just getting started.
2: Yeah, what hopefully we get all this crazy stuff out of the way first, but I almost feel like there's always gonna be somebody on the Covid protocol now to just randomly be without one guy like all the time,
1: and that I mean, in, in, if that is the case, and you know, we do we have seen some of these around the league, and, and I guess we haven't mentioned it, but Bowers is on the Covid protocol list as well. Um, keep the streak going, and you know that that's tough for Bowers since he was on. Contact trace last year twice for false positives. Um, uh, not that I wish it, but you know, I, hopefully that's the case again. Even though that that's just a crushing blow. Um, but if you know, if you do have this, they're. I, I guess we will get a clarification on what the NFL's or the NHL's position on this is. Is you know what what kind of relief are you going to get for a vaccinated player that does end up getting COVID through, you know, totally benign reasons? You know, do you do you get a, a roster spot relief? Do you get some cap relief? You know, how how are they going to work that?
2: It seems to me like they they weren't going to punish teams for, like you said, you, you've done all that you can do, and it just happens. I think they said now there's only four NHL players that are unvaccinated, so
1: and one of them scored four goals last night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can make a comment, but I won't. Um,
4: <clears throat>
2: so, so yeah, basically, if mean, you know, it, it, it is something that's going to stick everybody. with us,
1: yeah. They, they have to have a policy. And I know it's probably something they wanted to sort of backburner and shove way out of everyone's minds. But, um, you know, if it is something that's going to be persistent, then it, it, it's, you know, that they've got to find some way to to deal with it that, you know, that doesn't lessen competition in the league. You know, no one wants to see you know, a Magna-Sakura-Mato line for every team once in a while just because you get these funky situations.
2: Well, you do when that's like all your team has to call up. (laughs) Right,
1: I mean, um, you can get to a point on any team when that's going to be the case.
2: You know, just hopefully it doesn't happen in bunches I guess like one person you can you can work around like like the McKinnon thing they, they won game one like we know he's going to be back sometime next week we don't know when I guess let's just put it out there that like him come the thought that he could just magically come back for Saturday seems a little pipe dreamy
1: or Tuesday but
2: <laughs> yeah that seems iffy too but Let's just say he'll be back sometime next week. So you know that he's going to be there and contributing. It's just when all these things happen at the same time. Then you have a suspension. You have a guy that got hurt definitely in the first game in nuke. The other two are iffy, which that's probably going to be the case all year. It's just, um, you know, these things compound.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you throw Taves and Frank in there and, you know, it's just it's it's just a lot for one team to handle. And it, I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's, it is better to deal with this all at once in the beginning of the season and just get it out of the way. And, you know, maybe you lose a few games, but you know, it's probably not going to affect your season to great, to a great degree.
2: Well, it is funny because there's a lot of the whole, like the regular season doesn't matter. You know that the only thing that they're going to be able to prove is in the postseason. So there's there's nothing they could do. They already won the president's cup trophy, whatever I remember. Um, yeah, trophy, president's trophy. So they already won that. So what more can you do in the regular season? Like people will be honestly horrified if they don't win this division, and I don't really think they're going to.
1: I think they. I, I does, think it they probably does it Does it matter? <laughs> but I, I, I don't I, I agree. I don't think it matters. I mean, I think we've seen with Tampa and Washington and in, in the past that sort of, you know, they got to that pinnacle of regular season greatness where they won the President's Cup and, and you know, didn't do that well in the playoffs. And then they sort of regrouped and focused on the playoffs, and that's when they found their success.
2: So it's like, as long as they make it, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, if they're the third but seed in, no the, one will...
1: in the division, I don't think it's a big deal. But
2: people that's will interesting. freak
0: out. It's interesting that you bring that up, because last season, we heard Bednar really pound the table about trying to win the division to get home ice for Game 7, which... They I know it failed spectacularly at getting to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I kept saying it only matters if you're in a game seven. Yeah. And then they weren't. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, are they going to approach it a little bit different? Like, I get the whole point about winning habits. You want to play well. You know, things like that are important. Like, you, I, I do believe in the thing, like, you can't just flip the switch. If you're playing like crap, you're not just going to flip the switch. But it's, it is so much about just getting there and being ready when you get there but the regular season doesn't matter and, and that's a habit it'll to be break because to see it's if just they that.
1: it's hard to turn off that mentality that the regu- the regular season is that important
2: well i don't want anybody to go into a game thinking like eh this one isn't that big of a deal like as competitors you have to take on each opponent each game as it comes you're trying to win every game. But there are little things you do like how do you set the lineup, who do you use as your call ups, things like that that all either are gonna point to
1: Right. I mean if is it, this
2: game life or death, or is what happens in the playoffs more
1: important? Right. If your playoff success is gonna be better with Jack Johnson playing fifty games rather than sixty five, you know, it's like then you need to find thirty games, then you're not gonna play Jack Johnson. Um, you know, and you can I think we, we don't have wish a Belmar this year, but it's like you know we have a helm and and that's helm. you know, that's something that that you might want to think about. Um, you know, it, it, if you want to have a good deep team going in the playoffs, you do kind of want to rotate some guys in, and that's just not something that they've been comfortable with before. Um, so, you know, if you're doing beneficial things to your team, like rotating guys in and resting your older players, you know, then it's okay. Like, you know, maybe you drop a couple of 3-2 games that, that maybe you could have won if you really, you know, threw everything at it. And, and you know, that that, that amounts to, you know, five, six points in the standings and, and you're not first or you're, you're second or third. Um, that's okay. Because if you're more ready for the playoffs, that's the goal.
2: <clears throat> and yeah, that's the approach I would take. It's just so hard to stick to it in short term thinking. Right. And like I've always said, it's also about who you're getting prepared for the playoffs. You know, you hope that guys like hook and Sampo can provide something more that a fringe AHLer would. That's how you make your team better.
1: Right. Or, or like, and deeper. You know, like we, we're talking about with Mac, you know, when can he be back? You know, it's like, you know like it it could be he could fly to Miami and, and be in that Panthers game and it would be extremely tough but you know maybe they can make it happen they could probably make it happen for the Tampa game and it's like do you really want to do that is is it worth it just to play McKinnon for that one game when he could be back home um, as soon as he gets out of protocol training and doing his tests and working with the and and things like that, and then when the team comes back, they can all get together and, and Nate integrates, and you know that one game isn't that important. It's it's little things like that. You know, maybe they lose that Tampa game because Nate wasn't there, and that's just not a big deal. But it helps you in the I think long that's run. A
2: good point. And we'll see the approach. I personally think they're going to play him the, the second it's humanly possible. Well, it's like, and
1: it's like, it's tough to rein in Nate because it's like the microsecond he's ready, he's going to be like, just put me in right now, you know? And that that's yeah. also something you have to be able to communicate to your players. Like, Hey, it's, it's cool. You're not playing tonight. Like we would definitely be a lot better with you, but you know, we're going to be fine in the long run if you sit this one out.
2: You know, I hope that's the approach they take. I just think they would get so much criticism and they're not leading the division. You know, they're not dominating like how they were last year. Like, last year was fun because you pretty much knew they were going to win every game. It was fun until it wasn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> it was funny. Bednar addressed that today in the presser. Just sort of like, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's nice not having to play a team for the eighth, ninth, tenth time. it's it, It's tough to get up for that. And um, it's, it's nice to go no, to different sure. cities and things like that.
2: Oh, and I am so happy for them. I'm happy that, like, that they can enjoy the travel in the cities, and that it just seems to be so much more fun for you know a guy like Byron to actually see what it's like to play in Canada and on the East Coast and stuff like that. Like, I'm excited for them, and and also for my entertainment value. Right, no
1: one should have to play Anaheim that much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I think going back to like last year and what happened is they just also were not used to overcoming adversity. Not that they didn't have any, like they had to do COVID breaks and they had injuries, but you know, they were leading every game basically. How many times did they even have to come from behind and win a game?
1: And. Well, I don't think they did much. I think think that that's sort of something that their game was lacking when they got to the playoffs is, is.
2: And then when they've, got the adversity from Vegas it was like how do we how do we score from behind how do we deal with losing three games in a row you know stuff it, like that
1: and i and i think they lost a dimension to their game because they they had a game plan that would basically work against anybody in the division except Vegas and maybe Minnesota occasionally <clears throat> so it's like you're just trotting out the same thing every night and you're your different skills that you might not need to win those games atrophy. Um, you know, it's like we all saw their transition game just wasn't what it was in, in years past. And I, I think that hurt them a lot in the playoffs. Um, you know, they got very comfortable being a cycle team and they were, you know, cause basically they could get in the zone and stay there for minutes on end uh, because the other team couldn't recapture the puck and get it out. Um, and that just meant that you know they lost a little bit of what made them so dangerous in their transition game. You know, and maybe that carried over into their penalty kills. You know they only scored one pK goal all year. Not that they scored a lot in the past, but it just they always had a little bit of danger with the the faster players uh, getting breakaways on on the pK, and they you know, they just weren't as aggressive because, you know, they really didn't need to be and they didn't have those breakaways. So I
2: also think, you know, going back to special teams, just the satisfaction with the power play, like it did get better. It was eighth in the league or whatever. And it's just like, well, it was good. What more do you want? And it and it's like, you're just going to be satisfied with that. Like,
1: yeah, there's no it's reason eighth why against, this like, team
2: can't rival the eight Edmonton. worst teams like, in the
1: league on PK.
2: <laughs> it's like. Why just stop there? What, this P, this power play could be as good as Edmonton's. Like, yeah, they have Mick Jesus, and okay, but we have, you know, the second best player in the world. We have three top 20 players, top 10 players, whatever. Like, it, there's no reason why it can't be terrifying. And, you know, that, that's something that I don't like, just the satisfaction with it. Like, oh, it's good enough. good enough to to win you most games you know yeah I just I don't like that attitude I mean
1: hopefully hopefully they'll get some wake-up calls with you know sort of things that they thought were gonna work just because they worked in the division last year you know I I I think they're probably gonna get some pretty rude awakenings with the power play this year because it's just it's not that good Um,
4: so yeah
2: I mean I think they will face more adversity and that's okay uh, it just might really hurt in the short term. We don't like to see losing or losing streaks or our guys losing performing poorly. But <laughs> we're just gonna have to suck <laughs> it up. I do like that they at least won the first game. At least you, so you know you've done it. Like you know that you came out and you dominated. You won that game. Just because this could be a rough stretch, this could be a rough road trip, and at least you know that you you've had something to kind of refer back on in the short term. Here's to it. (laughs) Or who knows, maybe next week we're talking about a five game win streak or whatever, you know, it could be
0: Uh, for context. uh, Just as the abs did in the, uh, in the previous season, they are playing the St. Louis blues in game two (laughs) of the regular season. Uh, the last one was pretty fun. Uh, game two of the opening uh, series against St. Louis. They uh, destroyed them. Single-handedly the eight nothing. Not sure if we're going to get that output uh, again tomorrow night. But it would, be, uh, <laughs> it would be a hell of a way to honor, you know, the late GM. But with uh, Jason Meghna and Cora and an absence of Landeskog, hey, well, let's roll the dice and see how it goes. Uh, that's going to wrap up the homestand for the ABS before they head on the road next week. It will be a uh, three-game uh, series starting in D.C. next Tuesday. But, uh, that's early even, even for me. That's,
2: that's when it They'll will be back at home like, a
0: week after that. So know, wow, Washington, Florida and Tampa, quote, that's unquote, a Tuesday, is Thursday is and playing out Saturday set. Coast, all games starting we have at not
2: seen in a long 5 p.m. Denver time. That's Denver a tough time. road trip, but you know, maybe maybe that's what they need is some tough opponents, and especially if they have success in those games, it, it will feel really good. I don't like how then they come back and then they play Vegas, Minnesota, and St. Louis. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it's got to break from this. It's a tough league, but
4: Jackie.
2: I'm just saying, not that, <laughs> because they're good teams, because they're the same old again that's true but um you know it, it will be definitely more interesting as we we move on
0: yep and we are well past the 100 minute mark of our podcast for this episode so uh we're going to go ahead and wrap things up uh any final thoughts before we say goodbye for the uh, for the night
1: i think it's interesting that i have no idea what we're going to talk about next time we get together
2: hopefully nothing related to the same things we talked about you know other than Byron being awesome we can talk about that again but other than that we want all new topics
0: we will have a, a road trip against an East eastern conference slate for the first time in a year and plus <laughs> that'll be exciting
1: I can't remember the last 7
3: o'clock abs game I watched, so yeah.
2: Well, pray for everyone's health. I'll say that is my closing statement. And how? No more injuries, please. We've had enough. We deserve to see this team play together. So, please spare us.
0: And I second that wholeheartedly. So until you hear our voices next, uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next time.